Good evening everyone, welcome to the brown book, opening the next page. Today I have with me a special guest, Greg Wisely, a workmate. Greg and I are on the night shift tonight, the dreaded midnight to 7am. Um, I don't even know what you call that apart from torture. Anyway, Greg, how are you, mate? It's good to hear from you. Uh I'm doing good, or as good as can be expected with this uh, lovely shift that we're on. Yes, it's, it's, it's such a pleasure trying to pre-sleep for this. However, we're here today not to talk about work, because we don't like work. We're here to talk about who you are, Greg. So who are, who is Greg Wisely? Well, let's start at the beginning, because... I've always been a big fan of starting at the beginning. <clears throat> That's a good place. Let's go. Yep. Uh, I was originally, I was born in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, back in 1972. <laughs> My mother at the time was a typist. And my father worked for the Burlington Northern Railroad he uh, he was what they call an engineer in the U.S. Yeah. Or here in Australia, he's a train driver. Oh, so they call them engineers to drive trains over there. Okay, that's interesting. Yes, that's... yes, they do. They're, they're the, they're, they call them engineers over there. Okay. So that's why I always there. It's interesting because I've had so many interesting conversations while I've been here in Australia where I use American terminology and people will look at me strange and be like, wait a second. And then when I explain what it, I'm actually meaning, then they go, oh, wait a second. Oh, you mean this? Yes. Yes. It, it, it's like um, I've had a few conversations with my, uh, with my wife and I'll use American slang for something. And she'll give me a very horror look, mm. and then and then she'll explain to me what I just said means something completely different from what I meant it to here. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, the immigration detention clients that come to Australia are being taught the Queen's English so that they'll survive in Australia with um, uh, paperwork that speaks in American. And the guards teach them Australian. So I don't know if they come out of it with any form of English at all, really. They, they, they speak that a very muddled English because I work the same. So, but um, yeah, um, I was born in Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, went to school, did really well. My grandparents... My father's parents, they were farmers from a itty-bitty little town called Ludlow. Right. Which um, I don't even know if it exists anymore in Missouri. It's been since I was probably eight, nine years old when I was there last. That's a Yeah. And my mother's parents... Um, 
they lived in Kansas City or actually down in a place called Parkville. It's a suburb of Kansas City. And um, he was a B-25 pilot in World War II. Cool. And I remember when I was young, he would tell me different stories about him being a pilot, stuff like that. And it was a, always made me want to go and become a pilot. Fast fast forward, I graduate from high school. And I have the grades and stuff. I can go to university, but the only problem is money. Don't have the money to do it. Right, so so you've got limited choices, so what? What do you end up doing? Well, I end up going and joining the United States Air Force. Because you like your grandfather's stories, obviously. Correct. I did, and it was one of those, I thought that might be the best way to be able to become a pilot. Unfortunately, by that time, I wore glasses, so therefore... I was ineligible to be a pilot. So I went and joined up. My official job was going to be working aircraft electronics. That's still all right, though, doing that. Correct. But uh, while I was at boot camp, now... Let me let me jump back for a minute, and I apologize for jumping around a bit. I grew up in the country as well, so it's one of those. I grew up hunting and fishing and out in the woods, going out camping, you know, two, three days in a row, stuff like that. So being in the outdoors and stuff doesn't bother me or scare me. <clears throat> yeah. Well... When I got to boot camp at Lackland Air Force Base in Texas, outside of San Antonio, they had, um, on your career day in boot camp, you go in, they tell you what you're going to do and all that, give you all the information and stuff. Yeah. (coughs) And they had people that came in that were combat controllers, pararescue, and um, SEER, uh, survival instructors. Now, those jobs, you couldn't join the military to be those because they had an 80 to 90% washout rate. What, so you didn't, you didn't, um, it was hard to qualify at the end, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. It, it's a, the uh, combat control and pararescue, that's Air Force Special Operations, like the Navy SEALs or the Army Green Berets, stuff like that. Okay, so that's the Air Force's top dog, basically. Correct. Cool. And it was one of those, they were talking about it and they go, well, you know, combat control, you go... And um, you carry, a, you, you go out, you do stuff with different groups, 
you carry a radio and you're in contact with the air support you're in contact you call in basically you call in air support for if you get in trouble or you can call in artillery if you get in trouble and all that Mm -hmm. and i was like okay well i'll give it a go because i figure what's what's the worst thing that happens if i if i fail out then i go and become uh work i work on you know work on the electronic systems on aircraft and still a good career field yeah so basically there's there's no there's no cop out because basically you'll still get a job and it's all good so let's do that let's do let's go on an adventure exactly yeah and so i i put my hand up volunteered for combat control and everybody looked at me because at that time i was a scrawny little guy that had barely made the minimum weight to join the military so you're a scrawny little whippersnapper that shouldn't be here and how dare you even volunteer for such a thing correct i was i was one of these kids i was I was wire, you know, I was wiry, I was small, and people people were like, wait a second, you, you, you barely made the minimum weight. I, I ended up, for six months before I joined the military, right. my, my mother, who had become a police officer by then, would sit there and go out, buy me cakes, buy me, you know, different stuff, feed me pastas, you know, stuff like that. So I would gain weight. And it was one of those, when I went to the MEPS, which is the Military Entrance Processing Station, Uh when I got up on the scale before I did that, I went to, I went and took a massive drink of water so I'd have extra weight from the water as well. <laughs> That's cheating, Greg. No, it's not cheating. It's called adapting and overcoming. Oh, okay, that's an army term, is it? <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There, there's no such thing as cheating. The only way you're cheating is if you get caught and they yell at you. Ah. But, but I I made it in by one and a half pounds, which is about, oh, hang on. I'm just trying to convert to kilos. One pound is approximately half a kilo. Space. 750 grams. grams, probably the amount of water that you drank, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 So, I made it in by that. Well, you, you, you obviously, like, you're telling me, you're right, like, you're going to tell me now that you did brilliant at it and that you were awesome and that's what you did for the entire time, yeah? I did that, yes. Yeah. Um... I also, I, um, 
I got injured while I was in, but I met lots and lots and lots of friends that I still keep it in contact to to this day. And I was uh, what they call seconded, which means that although my primary job was combat controls, whatever, that because we routinely carried weapons and we were pretty much the only other groups on base that were weapons qualified and intimately familiar with them, Mm. a lot of times they would pull us to help augment the base security sometimes, or we would also go and do base security exercises to test the security of bases. Oh, so you'd go in and try and infiltrate a base to see if the security worked there? Correct. Oh, that'd be a cool job. <laughs> I'd like to do that. That, that. that was a very interesting job. Um, did that. There was a... Um, <clears throat> there was a base in Europe that we had been notified that the base commander had let his rank go to his head because he was a newly minted one-star general. Right. And he became an absolute tyrant from what we were told because he had put on his first star. Ah, uh, yes. So they... They sent you guys in to disprove that he was not what he said he was or that he was just put him back in his place, right? Uh, so welcome back everybody uh greg dropped out there for a minute um he's back now um so this guy bit of a tyrant um what did you guys do uh to put this fellow in his place what we did is we did a security exercise to test the security of the base right um there's their security Part of my team went to an area that um, stored weapons for aircraft. Right. And managed to get into that area and was outside of one of the bunkers that held special weapons for over an hour and a half before they left. I was on the flight line and went around to the different aircraft, placing simulated explosive devices on the aircraft, which is a piece of a small piece of wood with a bit of uh, play-doh or modeling clay with some wires and a battery on it to simulate it to simulate an explosive device. Okay. The next morning, I was volunteered because I tend to, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on which side you're on, 
not have a filter. <laughs> yeah, okay. As you know, Heather, I, I have no filter sometimes. Yes, but you do try and control it most of the time. But anyway, so you've got no filter and what, you're supposed to stir this fella up or something? What I do is I, I go in and I go into his office, mm. introduce myself, and I tell him who who we are, what unit we're from and everything, produce the paperwork, and I go, yes, we did a no-notice security exercise on your base last night, and your base has failed miserably. Right. And I begin, and as I begin breaking down what has happened, in walks a two-star general that's in charge of all special operations for Europe. Yeah. So, so me being an enlisted, I go to stand up to attention, of which said general tells me to sit back down and relax. Right. Um, of which I'm sitting there looking at my stripes and looking at the one star and the two star and starting to feel a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, that would be, yeah. Then in walks a three-star general. Okay, it's getting a little bit more crazy, yeah? Yes, of which I go to stand to attention again, of which he tells me to sit down, of which I'm sitting there still looking at my stripes and looking at everybody and going, who's the odd one out? (laughs) Can I leave the room, please? Yeah. Pretty freaking much. Yeah, yeah. And then in walks two four-stars. One of them is in charge of all U.S. militaries in Europe, and the second one is in charge of all U.S. air forces in Europe. Oh, yeah. And and before they come in, one of them steps, sticks his head in the door, looks at me, and he goes, points at me, and he goes, you just keep sitting there. I don't want you all, I don't want you to stand up to attention, which is normal protocol for when officers arrive, you stand to attention for them. Yeah, well, that's kind of, yeah, that's the basic training, yeah. Right. So I sit there and I'm like, these two four stars come in and I still go to stand to attention, you know, it's customs and courtesies and respect. Yeah, and then I catch myself, and I'm like, "Oh no!" They said to stay sitting, but you know, I'm sitting semi semi ramrod, you know, straight up and you know, respectful, yeah, not slouched down or anything. Yeah, at attention and on your seat, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And they look at me and they go, "Now we would like to know what happened last night." Of which I'm sitting there looking, going, I am definitely the oddball out. Yeah, Hmm. yeah. I began going through explaining how I had simulated destroying 72 of 75 aircraft on the base. And that the rest of my team had been outside a bunker that held... um, special weapons right long enough to simulate breaking into that bunker 
acquiring said special weapons and departing. Right. So what's the what's the dude with his one star? What's he looking like at about now? Well, now now he he was a person that he was used to getting his way and bullying everybody because of his star. Right. And about now he has gone paper lily paper white and he's starting <laughs> to sweat. And he's sitting there looking at me, glaring daggers at me with this look of like, I'm the biggest um, jerk. Sorry. And I apologize if I slip up and I use bad words. It does sort of slip out sometimes, but I'm actively trying. So apologies if I do slip up. No, but, I think I think Jack's acceptable in Australia as, as, as a colloquial American term for... Um, yeah, idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, um, then the four star that's in charge of all the U.S. Air Forces in Europe <laughs> reaches over, grabs this guy's stars, and rips them off of his uniform. <gasps> oh, that's his... like that's like full disgrace, right? Like, yes. Of which ripping his uniform shirt and everything at the same time, which is, you know, that's pretty much like the ultimate put down of you're not even, you know, you're not worthy of the uniform. Yeah. And then, and then hands him second lieutenant, which is the lowest officer you can be, ranks and goes, here you go. You've been relieved of command. You are now relieved of being a general. You are now a second lieutenant again. Here's your orders. You're going to Thule, Greenland. Oh, my God. <laughs> and this guy got sent there while they processed him out. Oh, my God. Uh, I'd be like going to Siberia. <laughs> yes. It, 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 it was one of those I actually felt sorry for the guy oh well he earned he earned what he got now you you've also said during that conversation you mentioned that one you've been injured and there's one phrase that i'm like well you're not in kansas anymore from the wizard of oz so two questions how did you injure yourself and um why are you in australia Okay, I'll go with the injure myself first because if it's if it's too painful, oh, no, don't no. you know? What no, I no, know. no, it, it's okay. It, it's fine. I'm happy to tell everything. I'm, I, I've been, I've been through hell and back. It doesn't bother me. Now, I got injured in. 1999. Okay. And I injured my left knee. I shattered my kneecap. I uh, had dislocated my hip, and I had my leg from my knee down pretty much almost straight out to the left of me at a 90-degree angle. 
to where when I turn my head to the left, I could see my boot almost right there at eye level. That 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 was a little too much information, but anyway, okay. Yeah. So was that from jumping out of a plane or something? Yes. And and why and, why did you land funny? Because the parachute didn't work, or was it just a quick exit, or? No, I um, my foot went into a hole as I was coming in, and my leg caught in the hole, and that's when I got my ouchie. Well, that's a big ouchie. Yes, it is. Yes. Now, um... since then, I've had four surgeries on my leg and my knee. Right. And the last one... Or, no, my last one with the military was at Tripler Army Hospital in Hawaii. Okay. And they replaced my kneecap. They cut my shin bone below the knee. Yes. Cut part of it, hollowed it out, put a couple S-shaped brackets in, yes. put a bolt down through it, wires up through my new kneecap, and a bolt going upwards so that that way it the wires held my whole knee and everything in place that sounds disgusting actually you, you, you should see the pictures of the surgery no I, no I no, no i don't need to see the pictures i i had an ex-girlfriend who had um her mother had had um formaldehyde um, during her pregnancy and this girl had, was double jointed and they'd put pins in her knees and her knees would get so cold because of the metal in there um, mine mine did too and it's a during winter I'll have to go and Take a ba- I have to go and take a bath to try to keep my knee and leg warm because otherwise it just stiffens up and begins hurting really bad. Yeah, well, I can imagine. You have got like, how do you get through the doodad at work with all your leg full of metal? It's the metal that they use doesn't. Depending on the sensitivity of the extra or the metal detector, on if it sets it off or not. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, at work it's it's not as bad, so I'm able to get you know go through relative uh, relatively easy. But I have been caught out before at uh, a few airports when I was traveling and stuff because of it and had to be frisked of which then I always have to pull my pants leg up because they look at me funny until they see all the scars and stuff on my leg and then they go ah I understand yeah basically yeah yeah so well that sort of explains that without going into too much detail now Was coming to Australia because you met your wife or was it for some other reason? It was because I met my wife. Right. Now, I had been to Australia when I was in the military. 
Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know, I, I, I like it here, you know. And I was working in Iraq as a civilian contractor. What does that mean? It means I was working for the military, but I wasn't in the military. I was a civilian. So you like, is it like an advisor or just a dude that carries stuff or what? Um, I was, what, I was a operations specialist. I was the night camp manager for the base I was at. Right. So I was, um, a bit of a, a jack of all trades, everything from a fix it person to a to the manager to you name it if something comes up i was usually the person that people would come to first to try to get whatever resolved okay now now i i believed it i believed in taking care of my people right i would sit there and there, there there would be nights when it was quiet that I would break out my laptop and we'd have a movie night in my office where everybody would sit around and watch it, watch a DVD or something. Yeah. Or um, there was one night that there was a group of people that had to stay back because a um, explosive device had been found on the base. And they were having to build a berm around it. So their normal 12-hour shift turned into an 18-hour shift. Horrible, yeah. Well, that's what I did every day, though, but yeah. And so I went and got orders for, they they wanted, you know, I asked them what they wanted because they were going to miss their dinner. And I went, and there was a little pizza place on base. So I went and with my own money bought all of the people pizzas and took them out to them because that's the way I am. I always sit there. I always want to make sure that the people that are working with me and under me and around me are taken care of to the point to the point that sometimes I neglect myself to make sure that they're happy and that they're okay. Or that you're okay, basically. Yes. Yes. So, but yeah, I did that and came to Melbourne, Australia, met my wife, Nuria. Mm. And uh, one thing led to another. We've been married now for going on 18 years. Yeah. And um, got my citizenship. So you you have dual citizenship and you can go back to America at any time, and um, like of all the places in Australia, like what part of Australia is most like Kansas as far as weather's? Because I don't think Melbourne would be. Um, actually, Melbourne is kind of sort of similar. Really? Because, yeah. I thought Kansas it, was more like Texas and Arizona and all hot and stuff. No. 
during the summer it's hot hot and humid during the winter it is cold we get blizzards we get ice storms uh you lose power for it's not uncommon to lose power for a week so you know it's a it, it, it it's it's a land of extremes it, it sounds like a place I, w- I probably don't want to go the only place i want to go to in america i must say i'm not um the kimberley and um and the pilbara have got beautiful rock formations um which are probably in size wise not not as good as the grand canyon but they're still similar um so i'm not particularly interested in the grand canyon but i'd love to go to antelope canyon um with all the windswept rock there for photography and stuff like that but kansas all you think about is the wizard of oz with kansas (laughs) yeah well also please don't forget the outlaw josie wales and his famous quote there's only two things that come from kansas sunflowers and sons of bitches (laughs) so are you a sunflower are you greg well, see, I'm from Missouri, so, that, so it's one of those, I, don't, I don't care what anybody says. Oh, dear. Right, well, I've probably got more questions and that, but we both got to get ready for work. And... Wait a second. Why are you cussing and saying that nasty four-letter W word? Well, it's a, my podcast. Nice. I can use that word on my podcast. <laughs> that's true. And um, I'm going to close this up for now and I'll invite uh, Greg back for another edition in the future when we don't have to rush off to work and we can sit there and spend two hours with war stories about Iraq and um, Afghanistan and Somalia and all sorts of other places and stuff that... Yeah, you've you've got a good good history of stuff that... um, I used to like it at school. We have this old guy who used to come and tell us about World War One, and he was one of the guys that um, helped set up the guns on Gallipoli before they all they were on the last boat off of Gallipoli, and they set the guns up to um, uh, fire, but it was all there was nobody there. It was just cans and wire and dirt and pebbles and. And when the can got full enough, the the rifle would fire and the Turks thought that the Aussies were still there and they had their hats and their uniforms on sticks and stuff and that's how they got off the beach. And he was one of the ones that helped set that all up. And um, he didn't really talk about the bad stuff and I'm not expecting you to, but I'm just like, um, people need to know the um the human sides of stuff like this and especially oh yeah especially afghanistan and iraq and all them sort of places we got taught all about what supposedly happened in world war one and world war two at school but um then you then, then you hear the actual people that were there and what you learn in school I don't want to say sensitized, but it's one of those they sugarcoat it so that that way it doesn't sound as bad as 
war is. Yeah, and then you've got the whole shababal that happened with the Vietnam vets and. Ah um, uh, yes. And and you know like, your story is probably one that should be told, um, just on a a humanness of it and and. Being a soldier doesn't make you a robot. You're a human, and and you have. Correct. Now, Heather, mm-hmm. do you, you 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 know my my memory? When we get when we get back, remind me when we were doing the Vietnam or yes. talking about it. Remind me to tell the story about my father when he went to join the military. Cool. I will. And I'll tell you about my grandfather's story, and the Absolutely. reason the reason behind this podcast's name is linked to my grandfather in World War Two. So how about that? That is awesome. <laughs> All right, I'll see you at work in freaking hour. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to get ready and. Leave for the leave for work in about twenty minutes, so I can stop and grab grab some food, and then I got to get petrol in the car in the work car tonight. So yeah. Yeah, well, I'll probably get static tonight. So um, I'm getting coffee on the way in if I can find one. And uh, I'm just gonna I'm go through the Mac the Mackers drive through. They got good coffee. Yeah, as long as they've got good coffee. A lot of the McDonald's when I was doing taxi driving, the coffee wasn't so crash hot. But anyway, I'll see you in an hour, young man, and thank you very, very much for um, hanging out with me. And I hope everybody's enjoyed tonight's page and um, come back for more of Greg and come back for more of me and continue to turn the pages of your own lives. Have a wonderful night. Sleep well. Thank you very much. Have a good one.